welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for yourselves and everyone else all over the world. Now, it's easy for me to say, if not, keep working on it, and I can and we should. However, we also know that tomorrow is not promised to any one of us. So the call for love from every individual is urgent. We must consciously and sincerely radiate the love of our mighty I Am Presence by thinking it, being it, and sharing it as often as possible, even amidst the chaos that surrounds us. Why? Because it is the divine energy and power of the love of the living God within us, which is mankind's victory over darkness. It is mankind's salvation and elevation, and that divine energy and power of love will never fail us when we choose to believe. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life And y'all be loved. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything, except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, I have not come to abolish them but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven, but whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. 
You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no, anything beyond this comes from the evil one. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye, and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Matthew 5 of Jesus is unequivocal, it implies not only rebellion but defiance of the Mosaic Lord God. Ye have heard, he tells us, that it hath been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth, but I say unto you, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. Ye have heard that it hath been said, by the same Lord God on Sinai, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. 
Matthew 5. And now, open Manu and read. Resignation, the action of rendering good for evil, temperance, probity, purity, repression of the senses, the knowledge of the sastras, the holy books, that of the supreme soul, truthfulness and abstinence from anger, such are the ten virtues in which consists duty. Those who study these ten precepts of duty, and after having studied them conform their lives thereto, will reach to the supreme condition. Manu, Book 6, Sloka 92 If Manu did not trace these words many thousands of years before the era of Christianity, at least no voice in the world will dare deny them a less antiquity than several centuries BC the same in the case of the precepts of Buddhism. If we turn to the Pratamokska Sutra and other religious tracts of the Buddhists, we read the ten following commandments. 1. Thou shalt not kill any living creature. 2. Thou shalt not steal. 3. Thou shalt not break thy vow of chastity. 4. Thou shalt not lie. 5. Thou shalt not betray the secrets of others. 6. Thou shalt not wish for the death of thy enemies. 7. Thou shalt not desire the wealth of others. 8. Thou shalt not pronounce injurious and foul words. 9. Thou shalt not indulge in luxury, sleep on sofa beds or be lazy. 10. Thou shalt not accept gold or silver. Good master, what shall I do that I may have eternal life, asks a man of Jesus. Keep the commandments. Which? Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, is the answer. What shall I do to obtain possession of Bodhi, knowledge of eternal truth, asks a disciple of his Buddhist master. What way is there to become an apasaka? Keep the commandments. What are they? Thou shalt abstain all thy life from murder, theft, adultery, and lying, answers the master. Identical injunctions are they not? Divine injunctions, the living up to which would purify and exalt humanity. But are they more divine when uttered through one mouth than another? If it is godlike to return good for evil, does the enunciation of the precept by a Nazarene give it any greater force than its enunciation by an Indian or Tibetan philosopher? We see that the golden rule was not original with Jesus, that its birthplace was India. Do what we may, we cannot deny Shakyamuni Buddha less remote antiquity than several centuries before the birth of Jesus. In seeking a model for his system of ethics, why should Jesus have gone to the foot of the Himalayas rather than to the foot of Sinai, but that the doctrines of Manu and Gautama harmonized exactly with his own philosophy, while those of Jehovah were to him abhorrent and terrifying. The Hindus taught to return good for evil, but the Jehovistic command was, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. H. P. Blavatsky Would Christians still maintain the identity of the Father of Jesus and Jehovah, if evidence sufficiently clear could be adduced that the Lord God was no other than the pagan Bacchus, Dionysus? Well, this identity of the Jehovah at Mount Sinai with the God Bacchus is hardly disputable. The name is Yahweh or Iao, according to Theodoret, which is the secret name of the Phoenician mystery god, and it was actually adopted from the Chaldeans with whom it also was the secret name of the Creator. Wherever Bacchus was worshipped there was a tradition of Nyssa and a cave where he was reared. Bethsan or Scythopolis in Palestine had that designation, so had a spot on Mount Parnassus. But Diodorus declares that Nyssa was between Phoenicia and Egypt, Euripides states that Dionysus came to Greece from India, and Diodorus adds his testimony, Osiris was brought up in Nyssa, in Arabia the Happy, he was the son of Zeus, 
and was named from his father, nominative Zeus, genitive Dios, and the place Dionysus, the Zeus of Jove of Nyssa. This identity of name or title is very significant. In Greece Dionysus was second only to Zeus, and Pindar says, so Father Zeus governs all things and Bacchus he governs also. But outside of Greece Bacchus was the all-powerful Zagreus, the highest of gods. Moses seems to have worshipped him personally and together with the populace at Mount Sinai, unless we admit that he was an initiated priest, an adept, who knew how to lift the veil which hangs behind all such exoteric worship but kept the secret. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi, or Eomnisi. What better evidence is required to show that the Sinaitic God was indifferently Bacchus, Osiris, and Jehovah? Mr. Sharp appends also his testimony that the place where Osiris was born was Mount Sinai, called by the Egyptians Mount Nyssa. The brazen serpent was a niche, and the month of the Jewish Passover Nisan. If the Mosaic Lord God was the only living God, and Jesus his only Son, how account for the rebellious language of the latter? Without hesitation or qualification, he sweeps away the Jewish lex talionis and substitutes for it the law of charity and self-denial. If the Old Testament is a divine revelation, how can the New Testament be? Are we required to believe and worship a deity who contradicts himself every few hundred years? Was Moses inspired, or was Jesus not the Son of God? This is a dilemma from which the theologians are bound to rescue us. It is from this very dilemma that the Gnostics endeavored to snatch the budding Christianity. Justice has been waiting 19 centuries for intelligent commentators to appreciate this difference between the Orthodox Tertullian and the Gnostic Martian. The brutal violence, unfairness, and bigotry of the great African repulse all who accept his Christianity. How can a god, inquired Martian, break his own commandments? How could he consistently prohibit idolatry, image worship, and still cause Moses to set up the brazen serpent? How command, thou shalt not steal, and then order the Israelites to spoil the Egyptians of their gold and silver. Anticipating the results of modern criticism, Martian denies the applicability to Jesus of the so-called messianic prophecies. Writes the author of Supernatural Religion, the Emmanuel of Isaiah is not Christ, the Virgin, his mother, is simply a young woman, an Alma of the Temple, and the sufferings of the Servant of God, Isaiah 52 53-3, 53-3, are not predictions of the death of Jesus. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 16 The loved ones of the mighty St. Germain's family, as we enter into the release of the greater power from the angelic host, and I am speaking now in the mass outpouring of the great power and terrific love of the angelic host to the people of earth at this time, we want you to feel, wherever possible, the nearness, the love, and the power of the angelic host to come into outer world conditions and assist in the protection of what is constructive, to strengthen everything that is constructive, and to be present with you as often as possible. The nearness of our presence depends something upon the recognition you give us, when and where, and as often as you have time, or take time, to send your consciousness to us, with your conscious recognition and desire for our presence. Now within your life there is always the desire for our presence. We recognize that. But under the action of the cosmic law that affects the whole planet and affects this nation, it takes the conscious command, the conscious call, the conscious acceptance that our life has answered your call. 
That is why it is necessary for this conscious knowledge of the angelic host to be brought to the intellectual consciousness of mankind. There must come some intelligent understanding of who the angels are, what is the service they render to the people of earth, and how all may have the greatest blessing possible through the call to and acceptance of the presence of the angelic host in the lower atmosphere of earth. Most of mankind feel the angels are way off here somewhere. It's true. We are in either the octave of light or the ascended master's octave, but the feeling world of the mass of the people must be purified and charged with our ascended master feeling and nearness of our presence. It is to the degree that individuals feel our presence that they provide the condition by which we may come, because we may not under any circumstance intrude upon the free will of anyone. When it comes to the handling of frightful destructive forces, that's quite another thing. We handle the creation by conscious command, and in that we give no quarter at all to human creation. But so far as the individual's life stream is concerned, the acceptance of our presence must come in the feeling world of individuals. Their desire world must allow the light within the life stream to expand and desire our presence with them before the cosmic law permits us to come into more powerful association in the outer world's affairs, and into the conditions that affect individuals. Beloved Archangel Michael, To some degree there is general acceptance of our presence in the universe, but the moment you pin individuals down to acceptance and the reality of our power, the uncertainty is the thing that shuts the door against mankind having the greater power of the angelic host. The concentration of the sun presence, the revealing sun presence of what the angelic hosts can do for mankind, must come into the physical atmosphere of earth. Within that is the awareness of what mankind requires. Within that sun presence is the sacred fire mastery of our life. So if this world is to have help, and the greater good come to fulfill the divine plan, then the sacred fire mastery must come to consume the evil, purify conditions, and provide the way and means for our perfection to be lowered from the ascended master's octave, and brought into the physical conditions of earth by those who are authority over the whole world and the system of worlds. There must come the fiery truth of our existence, both to the intellect and the feeling of human beings. There must come some understanding of how we serve life, what we can give, why we are required in the physical octave of earth to fulfill the divine plan. Mankind also needs to be made to understand the service the angelic host render when individuals pass from the body into the octave of light between embodiments, and when the individual is able to attain the ascension. There is scarcely an activity, a raising activity of life anywhere in this world, that is not assisted by some of the angelic host. When it comes to the use of the angels of the violet flame, their presence, I assure you, passes through the atmosphere of earth whenever and wherever an intensification of the violet consuming flame is drawn into the conditions of the physical worlds, to handle them and hold the victory for that which is constructive. In every effort mankind makes to hold to the constructive way of life, and within every constructive desire within the individual, there is an expanding action of the light within each one's life stream. When that light expands, we see it in the atmosphere around an individual, and we cultivate that like you would cultivate a very rare plant in your garden. When there is the slightest upreaching and desire for greater God activity of life, we will give every possible assistance. We enfold that expanding light in the sacred fire or our love, and fan it as you would a spark, until it bursts into a flame that holds dominion within the life stream of the individual. This is how we help the heart desires of the individual to come into outer activities and control the affairs around the individual and produce as much constructive activity as possible, and guard that wherever we may. 
When you understand that every constructive thing mankind does is guarded and assisted and enfolded in the radiation of the sacred fire love of the angelic host, you will realize how much our life is one with your own beloved I am presence, with each life stream, and is the raising, strengthening, expanding blessing of our life within your life, to enable it to go forth and fulfill its great divine plan, both for the purification of the earth, the redeeming of the earth, and to the accomplishment of the ascension of the earth as well as mankind. There is not a constructive activity of life anywhere in this world that is not guarded and helped to expand by one or more of the angelic host. So I think it's time that enough intelligent understanding of who the angels are, what they do for mankind, and when and how they can come to assist the people of this world, and it's time mankind have the illumination that the angels can give. Beloved Archangel Michael, 